Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here with us today. If you're joining us online, we're thrilled to have you as well as we dive into this new series. And, and this week, I was having a, a conversation with a friend here at church, and, and he was telling me about what he's getting ready to do. Uh, he was going to be visiting his son who's in another state, and he said, hey, I'm real excited. He's got this particular vehicle, and I want to give him a gift. I want to trick out his vehicle with the tires, with the this, with the that, and he is going to be so pumped and so thrilled and so excited when he sees what I'm going to do for him. And so he flies there and goes and visits him, tells us, uh, and he's telling me about this conversation. He said, you know, I, 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 I went to find, a, a, you know, a local installer, so I'm driving around the area, talking to different installers, trying to find someone that I can trust, and they seem like a good person. And he's telling me this story, and he's just smiling the whole time, and he's so excited because he's going to be giving this gift, this extra gift, so to speak, this generous gift to his son, and he's thrilled about it. And, and as I'm listening to that story and seeing the excitement ooze out of him, I was getting excited myself and thinking, man, I want to, how can I go be generous like you're being? What could that look like for me? Here's what I know about every single one of us. We all like to be, want to be, desire to be financially generous with others right? I know that about you. You you want that more than anything else, that you desire to be generous. And you know the times that you've poured out generosity to others, you know how that is felt and how that exciting that is and how thrilling that is and to watch their reaction and to watch how they respond to the generosity. And then you know how it feels knowing you just did something that was a blessing to somebody else. I know we all desire to be generous. Here's what I also know about all of us is that we all want to have this incredible faith, right? I mean, every single person in here, you want to have a strong faith. You want to have that like, you know, faith that moves mountains type faith, that you have this faith that says, you know what, God, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what I go through, no matter what adversity or difficulties come my way, no matter where I'm headed, that God, I trust you. God, I believe you're going to move and you're going to act in my life. We all desire that type of faith. In fact, we know that Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, without faith, it is impossible, say the word impossible, it's impossible to please God without faith. Now imagine, imagine if our faith and our generosity collided. Imagine if they came together. Imagine if you had a faith that led to increased generosity in and through your life. Generosity with your time, with your talents, and also even with your treasures. Imagine that you could look at your finances and be absolutely thrilled with what you're doing with those that you're excited about how you're able to bless others, how you're able to help others, how you're able to give to others, how you're able to give to your local church, how you're able to provide for your family and even for your own future. Imagine having that type of generosity pouring out of your life. Well, that's what we want to talk about for the next couple weeks. 
You see, God's will is that your life and my life, that our faith is such that it's overflowing in such a way that our faith is overflowing, that generosity pours out of us. And here's what I can guarantee for you with what we're talking about today. If you and I can adopt these principles in our lives, the principles we're going to talk about today, if we, and if they were already in our life, if we can grow with these principles in our life, I guarantee your faith will grow deeper, will grow stronger. You will grow closer to the Lord. These principles that we're looking at today provide one of the best spiritual growth tracks that you can take. So this series today is really, or the series that we're looking in, is really a series for every single person. There's something for every single one of us. Now, some of you might be visiting for the first time, or you might be back at church for the first time in a long time, and you're thinking, man, this is exactly why I don't go to church, because man, every time I go, that's all they talk about is money, right? And I get that, and I understand that, and if you're visiting, you can just consider this like you're a guest, and you're listening in on a family conversation, and so you get to be like a fly on the wall and go, okay, I've heard about churches and money, but I wonder what they actually say. So you get to listen in and just listen in, but I can tell you this, these principles are actually helpful in your life, even beyond finances. So we're going to dive in and dive into this, and my hope is that you will experience greater spiritual health in your life, my hope and prayer is that you will experience more joy and peace and contentment and that you'll also experience greater financial health. Because let's be real, our financial health isn't really that strong. Now, how do I know that? Well, statistics tell us, at least in America. For example, there are 165 million Americans who have student loan debt. It's mind-boggling to think about that that the average student loan debt is $38,000. On top of that, the average car loan in America is $30,000 with 60-month loan. That's over $500 a month per vehicle. The average credit card debt for families, depending on which statistics you look at, is between $15,000 and $27,000 per family. And this one really grabs me. The Federal Reserve reports that 39% of Americans do not have enough money on hand to pay for a $400 emergency. 39%. All of these money challenges present issues for us. For example, it leads to relational challenges. According to a recent survey by Ramsey Solutions, the number one issues that couples fight about is, anybody want to take a guess? Money, right? And money, money fights and money problems are the second leading cause of divorce. Research very clearly tells us we just aren't very good with handling our money. But I'm here to tell you there's a better way than all of that. There's a better way forward for, for us. In fact, if you're married and your marriage is constantly struggling and fighting over money, I'm here to tell you there's a better way. If you're up to your uh, eyeballs in debt, like maybe some of the, the topics we just described, if that's you, I'm here to tell you there's a better way. Now, you may say, well, my, my relationships are good. I don't have, you know, any financial debt challenges or anything. Well, if that's you, maybe you're struggling with self-control on what you do purchase. I'm here to tell you there's a better way. 
Maybe you're generous with yourself and your own future, but you lack the generosity to others. I'm here to tell you there's a better way. Maybe for you, there's a whole lot of fear when it comes to this idea that I would trust God with my finances. I'm here to tell you there's a better way. If you're here and and you're not somebody, if you're a Christ follower and you're not somebody who is is giving systematically to the Lord or or tithing or, or one of those, I'm here to tell you there's a better way. There's a better way to live a better way to experience the peace, the joy, the contentment that God has for us. There's a better way to experience a generous faith. So how do we get there? What does that actually look like? How do we experience a better way towards a generous faith? Well, today what I want to give you is some foundational principles that we can build on in our lives so that generous faith and having a faith that's generous and a generosity in our financial lives, that, that we can build upon that and that that is right around the corner for us. And in turn, if we apply these principles into our life, our relationship with God will grow deeper. So what are these principles? Well, the first step towards a generous faith is for you and I to transfer our trust. Say the word transfer. Transfer our trust. You and I make decisions every single day, right? You'd agree with that. We make decisions all the time. Some of those decisions are, 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 are you know, unconscious, so to speak, subconscious, so to speak. It just happens. We all of a sudden arrived at our destination. We had no idea how we got there. You know, we just kind of make decisions all the time. Other decisions we're acutely aware of. You know, for me, uh, when my family uh, uh, heads out of town or I head out of town or, or I'm alone and it's time for dinner, That is the hardest decision in the world for me to make is decide what am I going to have for dinner. I don't know if you've ever been there and you're like, you know, there's bigger problems in the world. I agree, but I'm just saying to have dinner, I'm like, I don't know what to do. So sometimes, and this happened the other day, I literally was like, I don't know what I'm going to have for dinner. So I get into the truck and I just start driving. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'll I'll figure something out. And so I start heading down the road and I'm like, you know what? I haven't had In-N-Out in a long time. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to In-N-Out. So I start driving to to In-N-Out. I get into the parking lot and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't really want In-N-Out. Like, ah, forget this. So, so then I pull out of there, and I'm like, okay, where am I going to go? Well, I, you know what? I'll head over to Dos Coyotes. And so then I start driving over to Dos, and I get, as I'm getting to Dos, I'm like, Chris, you haven't had in and out in forever. Turn around and go back. So I get up to that turn there, and I turn around, and I head back to in and out and as I'm driving there, I'm like, no, nah, I don't really want In-N-Out. So then I head back over to Dos, and I get in the parking lot, and I'm sitting there. I turn off the car, and I'm like, I just had dose. I don't really want dose. And so I'm like, all right, then what am I going to do? Chris, make a decision. How hard is it? I'm like, all right, go to Old Faithful. So I start heading down Laguna. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go over to Chipotle. And so I, as I'm getting to, heading towards Chipotle and I'm getting ready to make that U-turn there on Laguna and Bruceville, I'm like, I'm sitting there and it's time to make the U-turn. And as I do it, I don't make the U-turn and I just head down Bruceville. Ah, I don't want Chipotle. So I'm like, well I, well, I guess I haven't had Panda in a long time. So then I head over and I'm like heading to Panda. Well, as I get towards Panda, I get there. I'm like, Chris, you're just really not interested in Panda today. 
no joke. I'm like, this is, I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? So I'm like, ah, I just start driving home. I'm like, Chris, you can't go home. You got to get something. You already know there's nothing at home. And so uh, I'm driving. I'm like, ah, I just go where I always go. So I pull into Trader Joe's because we live right there and, and pull in and I'm walking or just wandering aimlessly around the store. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know. I'll get my sap, my, my spinach and I grab some tortillas. I'll figure it, you know. So I get home, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with do it. <laughs> Hated dinner. It was awful. We make decisions every single day. Now, my food decision has no bearing on my life or your life. And I'm curious, is anybody relate to the story I just shared? Is anybody like that? You struggle with decisions? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the, no, I'm not the only insane person. Um, but some decisions we make matter a great deal. Is there a better way to make decisions with our finances about being generous, about having a generous faith? And the answer is yes. And the first step towards a generous faith is to transfer our trust, is to lean in a different direction with regards to our decision-making, from me to thee. What am I talking about? Proverbs chapter 3. It's an incredible verse. I would almost call it a life verse that you can memorize, and it's worth knowing. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust. Say trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust or faith, really the same concept there, is really a control issue. And this verse talks about releasing our control. That with all of our decisions, we would trust God. We would trust God with that. With all of our heart, we would trust God, even with our financial decisions. Letting go of control by verse 5, trust God. And then it says, and lean not on your own understanding. Every single one of us will lean in a certain direction. With it, as it pertains to our decision-making. And we are going to lean towards trusting ourselves or and, and, and our opinions and our thought, or we are going to lean in God's direction and what God has to say. Those who lean not on their own understanding, those who lean in God's direction are constantly asking this question. What does God's word have to say about this? That is the question that somebody who's leaning in the direction of God is constantly seeking after. What does God's word say to me about, and then fill in the blank, whatever the topic is. In fact, one of the greatest sins that you and I can ever do is to say, well, I know God's word says, yeah, but here's what I think. But here's my opinion. Proverbs chapter 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and then it goes on and says, in all of your ways, in other words, in all of your decisions, acknowledge him. Did it say some of your decisions? Did it say most of your decisions? It said all, say the word all. All of your decisions, all of your ways, acknowledge him. He wants you to invite him into every single aspect, every single detail of your lives, even your financial lives, your financial decisions, all of your ways. Now, here's what's incredible. God makes this promise to us. When you and I will lean his way, when he will trust his ways and, and lean in his way and trust how he wants us to make decisions, he then goes on in verse 6 and says this. And when you do that, 
he will make your paths straight. See, here's what we know. When you and I will transfer our trust, when we relinquish control, when we start st- or stop leaning on our own way of thinking, when we press into God's way and lean into how he would want us to make decisions, when we trust in God's way, God gives us an amazing promise. He says, I'm going to make your path straight. I'm going to make your path whole. I'm going to give you a path that's healthy, that, th- that is thriving, Again, I mentioned these are great life verses for any aspect of our life, including our finances. Transfer our trust. Lean God's way. Now, what is God's way? What does that look like? Well, that leads us to the second step towards having a generous faith, and that is that we would give up ownership. We'd give up ownership. Let me give you a couple of verses. Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who in it, all who are in it. It's the Lord's. There's no confusion there, right? Haggai chapter 2, verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Haggai says, the money, the wealth of the world, it's all God's. First Corinthians chapter 6 says this in verse 19, do you not know? He's talking to Jesus followers. The apostle Paul says this, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. By the way, what is that price? It was Jesus's death on the cross, right? that he paid the ransom for you and I to receive salvation, to be forgiven of our sins so that we could have eternal life with God. But what's the point of all these verses and so many others? It's simple. God owns everything. God owns it all. God owns your house, your car, your retirement account, your heartbeat, your breath. God owns it all. And you know what I've discovered over the years? We typically only buy into this idea, this concept that God owns it all with regards to the areas of our life where we've already made bad decisions. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, man, God, I have just screwed up my marriage. You know, it's, it's yours, God, so you can have it. I'm done with this. Right? God, I bought this house. I shouldn't have got this deep into it. I got into this business deal, and, and, and I've really made a mess of it, and I'm upside down and backwards, and the pastor said, you own it all, so here you go, God. You can take it. I'm going a different path. We like this idea when it gets us off the hook for poor decisions we've made. But guess where we don't like the idea that God owns everything? It's in the areas of our life that we think we're doing pretty well in. It's in the areas of our life where we don't want our standard of of living to be impacted. We don't want it to affect where we choose to live or how we choose to live or what we live in or what we drive or what we think we need in our savings or our retirement account or what we think we need to eat or own or possess. We're good with this concept, this idea, this principle that God owns everything as long as I don't have to alter my understanding or my views or my lifestyle. The way to a generous faith, to financial health, and to financial freedom, and to a deeper walk with Jesus Christ is to surrender ownership to God. 
And that leads to the third step towards a generous faith, which means to accept our new position. Since you and I are no longer owners, what are we? The Bible refers to us as managers. Say manager. We're managers, not owners. So God says, I want you to surrender, give up ownership, and accept your new managerial role. Sounds like a demotion, right? What did the scripture say? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. In a sense, you could say we have been demoted from owner to manager. Scripture tells us we're called to manage everything. Our bodies, the time we've been given, the gifts, the abilities, the talents. We're called to manage our treasures, our finances. We're called to manage our, our, our relationship with Jesus, sharing our faith. We're called to manage everything. In fact, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to read a couple translations. It tells us God's will. And it says this, a person who is put in charge, say the word charge. You've been put in charge. A person who's been put in charge as a manager must be, what's the word? Must be faithful. Another translation, the NIV uses a little bit stronger language. It says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust, that's who's been put in charge as a manager. Those who have been given a trust must, what's the word? Must prove, say the word prove, must prove faithful. God has entrusted us with everything in our life, including our finances. He has put us in charge of it. And his will is that we prove faithful to that trust. Now, I can tell you this. The most important decision you will ever make in your life is deciding who's the owner. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. Because if you decide you're the owner, how is Jesus going to be the Lord of your life? How do you surrender to God and submit your life to them if, if your life is your own? Remember, what does the scripture say? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. The most important decision you can ever make is who is the owner? If you think you're an owner, your mind, your heart, your hands, your life will be closed so tight to God's will that you're going to miss out experiencing a generous faith that God desires for you to have. But the, as soon as you and I accept our new position, we take the demotion, so to speak, when we accept that we're in fact a manager, here's something that happens. It's pretty incredible, actually. You take better care of what's been entrusted to you. I want you to think about it for a minute. Don't we take better care of something that we borrow from somebody else than you take care of your own stuff? Right? If you borrow something, like, you, man, you're really desperate and you need this, and you're like, hey, you go to a neighbor or a friend or a family member, and say, man, I hate to bug you with this, but I could really use this right now. Can I borrow that? Like, you don't want to go purchase it. You don't want to go buy it. It's a one-time deal. Can I borrow that from you? Now, why do we take better care of something that we don't own that, but that we know we're going to manage for a moment or for a period of time? Well, first of all, obviously, we don't want them to be disappointed in us, right? I mean, we borrow something. We don't want the, to let them down with what we borrowed. We want them to know that they can trust us in the future. Hey, I borrow something, I return it as good or in better condition, and so you want them to know, hey, they're trustworthy. I can trust them maybe again if they ask to borrow something else. We want them to have the confidence that we are responsible 
And we want them to have the joy and satisfaction knowing that you were a good and faithful manager of what you borrowed from them. Right? Owner, manager. Owner, manager. Which are you? Which position are you? By the way, owners and managers are easy to spot. You can just tell it in their language. Owners use words like my and mine. It's my life, my house, my plans, my possessions, my time. But managers use different language. They're like, I've been entrusted this. It's God's life, God's time, God's possessions, God's money, God's time. It's on loan to me. I don't want to manage it well. Owner, manager, owner, manager. You get this principle right, it will change your life. You accept your manager, managerial role, and you will begin to move down the path of having a generous faith. Get this right. Your life will be transformed forever. Okay, final step towards a generous faith. Everything I just talked about, you could, you could take out the word finances and everything I just said and sub, put in the word time or talent. It's not, those principles cross the line with everything. Now let's press in a tad deeper into this idea of our finances. And the fourth step to a generous faith is that you and I finally make the connection, that we connect our faith and our money. Because there is a fundamental connection between our personal relationship with God and how we handle and distribute money. You and I may try to separate the two, but God sees them as inseparable. Let me give you a few examples from Scripture. For example, in, John, in Luke chapter 3, excuse me, John the Baptist is preaching to people, and he's talking about the kingdom of God and repenting and turning your life to God. And as he's having these conversations, three different distinct groups of people ask him, hey, how do we demonstrate, how do we prove that our hearts have been changed, that we've been transformed, and that we've turned our life to God? How do we prove that we have turned to God. John gives them three answers. To one group of people, he said, hey, I want you, again, these people are asking, he's preaching about the kingdom of God and giving your life to Christ, and, and, how do, and they say, how do we prove that? And John says this to one group, he says, I want you to share your clothes and food with the, with the poor. That's in Luke chapter three, verse 11. In other words, be generous to others. To another group of people, to these tax collectors, he said, don't pocket extra money. He says that in verse 13. Don't be, you know, uh, um, generous to yourself at others' expense. To soldiers, he said, hey, you be content with the wages that you've earned and don't try to get or extract money from other people. This passage is fascinating to me. It's fascinating because not one single person Ask John about money, possessions, or stuff. Nobody brought that topic up. They asked, how do we demonstrate the fruit of spiritual transformation in our lives? How do we show that God has gripped us and grabbed us? How do we prove that we turn to God? And it's fascinating. John answers their questions by addressing their money and their possessions. Why? Why would John do that? Simple. Because your approach and my approach to money and possessions, it's not just important, it's central to our walk with God. 
Money and spirituality, money and faith are connected. They're linked together. And some of you say, man, I just don't buy it. It doesn't make sense to me. I would just take you back to Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You say, oh God, okay, I I don't get it, but I'm going to lean your way. You see this connection. You see this link between uh, someone's walk with Christ and faith and finances. You see it throughout Jesus' ministry. In Luke chapter 16, he said this. He said, if you're not faithful with money, God will not entrust you with true riches, with the things that really matter. If we don't get our finances right, God says, I'm not not even going to let you touch things that have greater weight and greater significance. Zacchaeus was a man who had this faith encounter with Jesus, and he was ready to demonstrate repentance. And in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus said to Jesus, he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have already, if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus was proving that his heart had been changed. The Jerusalem believers in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, they were proving that their hearts had turned to God as they were selling possessions and giving to others who had a need. The Ephesian occultists in Acts chapter 19 were proving that they had turned to God by their livelihood revolved around evil magic books. That was their income. And they proved, hey, God has my heart. And so they burned their livelihood and their income. They said, we'll figure it out. We're going to go God's way. We're going to trust God's way. We're not going to trust in this way to get our livelihood anymore in stark contrast to those who'd proved their repentance as they dealt with their money and their possessions and their finance. There was an individual that Jesus spoke about who spent all his money on himself and his personal priorities, and Jesus said to him in Luke chapter 12, verse 20, you're a fool by doing that because this very night your life's going to be demanded of you. And then who's going to get all this that you prepared just for yourself and your priorities? And then Jesus said, I want to tell you the moral of this story. In Luke chapter 2, verse 21, he said, this is how it's going to be for anybody, any of us. If we're storing up for ourselves, but we're not rich towards God. Jesus is telling you and I, our lives are a total loss if we leave God out of our financial lives. Money and our faith walk with Jesus, Scripture makes it clear, they're completely connected And yet, here's what's the amazing thing. God doesn't doesn't care about your money. He isn't interested in your money. In in fact, if God wanted your money, he would just take it. He's not concerned about it. He doesn't care about your money. What he cares about is what your money represents to you. That's what he cares about. And so here's how Jesus said it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he said, where your treasure is, where your money is, where you spend your money, look in your checkbook, and if you even still use a checkbook or go online and check it out, look at where you're spending your money, where your money is, where your treasure is. Your heart is there. Jesus cares about your heart. Yesterday I was at uh, PetSmart, and uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, my wife got a dog recently, um, and... Um, And unfortunately, it's living at my house. (laughs) And by the way, for those who think I'm dog haters, animal haters, I'm not. I just don't want to own one. Um, You know, it's God's anyway, right? Um, (laughs) 
And for what it's worth, it's like I'm trying to defend myself. I don't know why. This is actually our third dog. We've had like probably half our marriage we've had dogs. So anyway, uh, I go there and we need to get a a container and I walk in and I go, I find the container and I come up to the front and uh, the lady uh, checks me out. I mean, that doesn't sound right. Um, The lady... um, the lady checker checked the, scanned the product down the line, right? You got the gist. So we get to talking, we get to talking and uh, turns out she has a whole bunch of very large dogs. And we get to talking and she treats them really well and tries to get the best food for them. Uh, she feeds her dogs, you ready for this? 60 pounds of dog food a week. Prime dog food. She said, I have a second job just to pay for the dog food. I'm like, man, that is something else. (laughs) You're like, no kidding. Think about this. Her finances show where her heart is. She took an entire job just to provide food for an animal. Her finances show where her heart is. You think she loves her dogs? If Heather said you got to get another dog to take care of, a job to take care of this dog, you know what my answer is? <laughs> that dog is the Lord's. <laughs> and he's going to join the cattle on a thousand hills and not be with me. Your heart is turned towards wherever you spend your money. And I know it might sound bizarre to some of us, and we've created these stereotypes where the church just wants our money, but it's not true. God just wants your money for only one reason, so he can get you your heart, because he knows that's the gateway to our heart. He only cares about your heart. Here's what I know. You all want to be generous. You do with your life, your time, your talent, your treasure. You want to be a generous person. I know about you that you want to have a faith, a strong faith, a deep faith, a faith that can move mountains. And God wants you to bring those two together, that you would have a generous faith. And you can begin to head in that direction as you start off by transferring your trust. You're not going to lean on your way of viewing life and seeing life. You're going to lean in God's direction. And what does God have to say? You're going to give up being the owner and accept your managerial role. I'm a manager of what's been entrusted to me. I'm not an owner. I'm going to accept that new role. I'm a manager, not an owner. And I'm going to recognize and I'm going to embrace the reality. God makes it clear throughout his word. My faith and my finances is they're connected, they're linked because God doesn't care about my treasures, but he knows where my treasures are. There's my heart. And God wants to make sure we have, he has our heart. And if you can take, adopt these principles into your life, you will be heading in the direction of being somebody who has a generous faith. Your faith will grow. Your generosity will increase. And your relationship with God will deepen. Are you willing to put these principles into your life? Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, as we come before you this morning, we want to trust you with all of our life. We want to be generous. We want to have a a strong faith. And so, God, thank you for giving us the tools to grow our generosity, to grow our faith. 
And if that's you, if you want to grow in your generosity and in your faith, would you pray with me now and say something like this to God? Say, God, in faith today I come to you to transfer my trust. God, I want to accept my new position. I'm not the owner, God, you are. So God, help me to be a good and faithful steward or manager of what you've entrusted to me. God, as best as I understand today, I'm recognizing my faith and my finances, they're linked together. Because God, I know you want my heart. And so God, I'm not just going to be rich towards myself and my priorities. God, I want to be rich towards you. Help me, God, to step into these principles, to live these out, to be a person, God, who trusts you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. God, hear these prayers as we call out to you and trust you. If you're here this morning and you don't, you're not at this point of thinking about finances, you've just never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've been the owner of your life. And maybe today's the day you're finally ready to say, okay, God, my life is yours. I'm going to turn my life over to you. If you'd like to invite Jesus into your life to be your Lord, to be your Savior, he will come in right now. He will forgive you of your sins. He will cleanse you. He will purify you. He'll give you a new life. If that's you, and you say, I want that. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want a new life. I want eternity with God. Will you pray with me now? Just pray something like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for the greatest gift of all, for the greatest generosity of all, for dying in my place for my sins so that I could live. As best as I understand right now, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I trust you with my life to be my Lord and to be my Savior. So Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me, purify me. Thank you for allowing me to be a child of God. Thank you for receiving me into your family. Help me to walk faithfully with you. In Jesus' name I pray. God, hear these prayers as we pour out our hearts, as we call out to you, as we enter your kingdom. We praise you, we worship you, God, for your generosity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.